The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Morning, Good Scott. Morning, morning Jay. So, uh, obviously, uh, earlier on uh, in the week or so, we or last week, we saw the uh, economic statement come out, kind of a mini budget, uh, I guess, an update as to where the country is and where we're going uh, moving forward. But how does that affect the average person? How does that affect uh, those of us that are listening today? Yeah, great question, Scott. We, uh, you know, we get these updates from the government every once in a while, just letting us know how they're doing and what's going on and what changes they've made and what promises they made and which ones they kept. And so, just kind of <laughs> go through quickly. Yeah, just kind of go through quickly uh, what uh, what's what the finance minister went through last week and just how it reflects or how it affects our clients and, and our listeners. There's a bunch of different things, a lot of, a lot of things that didn't really uh, come into play uh, yet, and they will, will take effect into January of next year. And then there's some things that are already in effect. So I'll just kind of go through uh, a list of what each one is. And then, um, yeah, go ahead, Scott. So Don and I were talking about this on the show earlier on in the week, and it seems a lot of this stuff is really targeted to certain segments of the population uh, and specifically those that need help. Is that what we're seeing more of here than something that's going to affect all of us? Yeah, I would definitely. The It's heavily weighted, I'd say, on the. I don't want to say lower income earners, but, um, you know, students, lower income earners, uh, people that are in need. I think it's a, a a wise way to try and stimulate the economy a little bit. They're saying that the people that were making, uh, you know, upper class to upper middle class, that this this the recent change in the economic times has really affected them it's the people that weren't making tons of money so i think that's what they're trying to do is address the the people that got affected the most by the pandemic and and that's what they're doing so just go through quickly um first one that comes up is the elimination of interest on federal student loans um this starts on april 1st 2023 so i think this is a great thing um people that get into debt to go to school um face you know the challenges when they get out of school that they've got a they've got expenses of rent food and transportation to get back and forth to work plus they've got the interest on these loans so they're forgiving the loan uh, interest um, I look at this as a planning opportunity so I'm not sure how how we can spin it but it, you can use these funds instead of putting them money towards debt you can use it towards or towards student debt you can use it towards other debt so if you've got credit card debt or something like that you want to apply it to that um, you can start by stretching out the amortization so not paying the, the loan off as fast as as you would with other debt so if you've got a mortgage that's at 5% and this is at, at 0%, why would you pay this off? Um, stretch it out as long as you can. That frees up some of your cash flow again. Again, like you're saying, uh, looking towards who's, who is this helping? It's the people that are, are maybe 
be struggling a little bit more than others. Um, be aware of this though, that if they, if you do have this loan and it's, it's hanging in the, in the back for a long period of time, this can affect your, your ability to get a mortgage. And a lot of people don't realize that, but it affects your debt service ratio. So it, it, it counts as part of what you're able to service and also how much you're, you're actually going to be able to borrow. So if you've got a large student loan and then you're looking to get a mortgage, this could affect that. So just keep that in mind, um, before you before you push out this loan forever and, and don't pay it off over a short period of time. So, so even if it's at 0%, there's still a reason to pay it off because mm -hmm. you may not, you may not qualify for that mortgage unless somebody cosigns. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we've got some clients that have loans that have been in existence for 10 years. So, you know, you think about it, you graduate from university at, I don't know, 22 or 23 and then, you know, 10 years later, you're 33 and you try and buy your house and you still got this loan looming over you plus, right. a, plus a car loan plus a mortgage. So yeah, they're just, there's definitely advantages to, to stretching it out because there's no interest or low interest on this. Um, well, some, some people actually look at this as hanging under their youth. You yeah. know, that's <laughs> the last thing that they got. Oh, and yeah. back in university 10 years ago, I still have this little, this debt. So yes, it's uh, yeah, but yes, yeah, it does make sense yeah. to eventually pay yeah. that off. Yeah, my old football, yeah. my old football shirt doesn't fit anymore. But thank goodness I've still got this debt <laughs> hanging around, which is it's grown with me. Yeah, yeah this is great. <laughs> well, it won't grow anymore. It'll just stay the way it is if you don't pay it off. So there's no interest on it. So that's a, a good thing. Um, another thing that they're doing is uh, they're cracking down on house flipping. So I don't think house flipping is going to be such an issue in the in the near near future with the the price of houses dropping the way they are. So I think that's going to slow a little bit but they are penalizing people for house flipping so if you buy and sell a house within a 12-month period um previously you'd be charged capital gains and now you, you're possibly going to be charged as big business income so getting charged 50 percent on a capital gains tax on a, on a profit of a property over a 12-month period is is attractive it's 50 percent but if you're being taxed fully on it um it's not as attractive so you definitely want to hold on to that more than a year Let's talk about yeah, that ahead, because, um, you know, yeah. the last couple of years, you, you know, in the pandemic and whatever, and even before that, people were really starting to people that you wouldn't even think of. Oh, they were buying an extra property and it wasn't like a cottage or whatever. It was something that they could rent out. And you were hearing anecdotally of more and more people doing that. Is this going to drastically change that and sort of get the public out of the housing market as an investment? Yeah, you bring up bring up two good points there. So if you owned a home and it's your principal residence, that and and you hold on to that for years, let's say, and then you go to sell it, you don't pay tax on that property when you sell it. You're talking about if someone owns a principal residence and then bought another house, let's say, for for rental purposes, you're you're paying tax on that. You're paying tax on the on the gains from uh, the rental income, any profits from that. Plus, if you go to sell that, you're paying capital gains on that that property. So that's different than someone house flipping and using their principal residence as a house flipping type investment. Go yeah, ahead, they, Don. They've had they've had this uh, house flipping rule for years and years. Um, how is it different than how it has been in the past? Yeah, they're just they're cracking down. They, they used to be a, a capital gains ex, uh, tax, and now it's actually it can be attributed to a business income. So that yeah, business no, income... but they they yeah they've always had it as an income. But I guess there's how many times they flipped it. Um, it was like if they bought two houses in, a, in in two years or three houses, it almost seemed to be a little ambiguous how many houses you could actually go through in a certain period of time. And so mm -hmm. I guess they are saying, okay, definitely you're. Um, it's easy money for the government to get. 
the capital mm-hmm. gains. And also the problem is, is these people that have done this is they've often spent the money. Uh, so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then they actually have to flip another house to pay for the, the taxes because they, they put it as a capital gain. So yes, yeah, the, the scrutinize these flipping is good. Uh, maybe a little too, a bit too little too late kind of thing, because again, right now housing prices have dropped a lot and this was a, a fever pitch, you know, last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, it's, you know, I, I don't see people flipping houses as much. First of all, the inventory is not there to do it. Um, they, you know, there's the availability to buy houses is, isn't there anymore. And then the ability to actually make a profit is is skeptical. Who knows if it, what the markets are going to do with rising interest rates. So you definitely want to uh, be care, be careful if you're doing that right, right now. That's for sure. As, as Scott said too. Uh, quickly go through a couple more. I don't want to, there's so many here. Uh, double first time home buyers credit. So it was 5,000 and it's gone to uh, 10,000. So that's already available. There's a, there's a $5,000 uh, credit, which translates to a rebate of about $750. They've increased that to 10,000, which would be about a $1,500 credit um, towards uh, your first time home buyer. So that's, that's a bonus for first time home buyers. Um, another, the thing that they've had in place for a while, I just thought I'd reiterate, there's a land transfer tax rebate available for first-time homebuyers as well. Um, in Ontario, let's say you buy a million-dollar house, land transfer tax on that's about seventeen or $16,500. Uh, um, for t- first-time homebuyers, there's a credit up to $4,000 on that. So uh, definitely something you want to look at for a first-time homebuyers. The, the big one that's come out is something called a tax-free first home savings account or a first home savings account, which is a FHSA. There's so many acronyms out there. So it's like a TFSA, similar to a TFSA or similar to an RSP, but it's kind of the best of both worlds. They give you the ability to save up to 400, or sorry, the ability to save up to $40,000 in this plan. So if you're a first time home buyer, you can save $8,000 a year for five years and up to $40,000 in this account. You get a tax credit, just the same, or a tax deduction, the same way you would with an RSP for putting that money in. And then go to pull it out for your home, you don't pay any tax. So that's very similar to uh, the first time home buyers plan that they have out there right now with the the RSP. Um, The difference is this is 40,000 and the difference is you don't have to pay this back. So it's it's kind of a win-win for, for first-time homebuyers. The catch is you can't use both those plans in conjunction. You can't use this one, the first home uh, savings account, and you can't use the the first-time homebuyers. So they're, they're two separate entities. If you want to use one, you can't use the other. Um, so I look at this as almost like a planning opportunity. Um, and like we do, Don and I look at, at every... Uh, every part of finance or every part of finances that the, the government comes out with, how can we make this a financial planning opportunity? So I looked at this as myself, you know, I have a, an 18 year old son, um, almost 19. And how do I help him out? A lot of parents want to help out their kids with, with putting money towards uh, their first time home or, or grandparents want to help out their kids. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting money away for that, or I want to give my son some money for the next five years, I could put $8,000 into an account for him, save this money. And then he gets to use that deduction when he starts working. So 
you know, I don't get the deduction for doing it, but if I was going to give him a down payment or help him out with a down payment on the house anyways, this is a way for him to get that deduction. So for example, he gets that 40,000 towards his, his first time home. I hope he's not listening. Cause I don't think I'm really going to do this for him, but <laughs> anyways, if, if he gets the $40,000, he, when he, when he starts working, he can use that as a deduction and that deduction, let's say he's making, Hopefully he's making a lot of money, but let's say he's making $80,000 a year, five, six years from now. Um, he can get back about $12,000 in income tax. So I think it's a great opportunity if parents are thinking about saving for for their kids' home, instead of just gifting them money towards, towards that house, be a little bit more strategic and look at what plans are available. Often we miss these plans and you don't think about it and you just leave that to the devices of, of your children to make sure they've done these things. But this is a way for parents to, to spread the wealth and, and be smart about it. And I just think that a lot of people don't take advantage of, of these types of things. And, um, and the nice thing about it, it's almost double dipping too, because you actually get to uh, put the money in, get this tax refund of 12000 in your example. And the nice thing, like a TFSA, you pull the money and there's no tax take at all. Yeah. So unlike an RSP, when you pull the money out, you had to pay tax on it. So yes, it's absolutely the best of both worlds, Jay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the, the one thing to be wary of on this, it's only for a 15-year plan. So once you set it up, the clock starts. Um, if you put $5 in in the first year, uh, you've got 15 years to maximize this, and, and then it has to unwind. Once it unwinds, uh, you have the ability to transfer it into your RSP, but once it goes into your RSP, it will be taxable um, just like any other RSP. One good thing about it, it doesn't use up any of your RSP room. So if you do transfer it to your RSPs, it doesn't use up the room. So that's an another planning opportunity where you just generated $40,000 worth of RSP room. So again, definitely sit down with a financial advisor and make sure that you go through what's your best options. If you're thinking about helping your kids out, um, there's, there's many different ways to do that. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick pause here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 seven four two zero all right I, I love it don you just you don't stop you don't stop you don't stop you're always pedaling that bike live to 100 and love it yeah that's that's very key because i remember my parents saying you know living longer isn't necessarily the best if you don't have a quality of life Ah, uh, that that's totally key and it wasn't long ago a few shows ago we were talking about teenagers yes uh, okay and now we're going to be mm -hmm. talking about super agers oh boy <laughs> Here okay, we go. here no, we are. No, no, wait a sec. Is there something between teenagers and super agers? Like, do I have another stage to look forward before I yeah. get there? No, they definitely need another one in the middle. <laughs> super agers are people that are 95 plus and have no health issues. Wow. Wow. And there's and there's a lot of these. In fact, there's a lot of studies going on about aging. And we've talked about this before on the show about longevity. And you know, it poses 
you know, great optimism. Oh, good. I can live that long. And then it's like, oh, geez, I might live that long. And so it's there's it's it's a cross between anxiety that you're going to live that long and optimism. And so you got to do the right things to, and you want to enjoy it. So it's kind of interesting. Um, during the study, this one lady, uh, Rose Cooper, doesn't understand that it's all downhill from here kind of view. And she's 95. OK. And she has a totally different attitude. So attitude is a big part of aging. But she says, I feel lucky to be here, very hopeful. If something happens, I look on the bright side and I'll figure out what to do next. But that is the attitude of a great superager. Now, Laura uh, Karstenen, a PhD um, in, of Stanford University, and she's a founding director of the Stanford Center of Longevity. And she, that just gives give you an idea of how much studying is going on on about aging, because we have been doing this. We were... You know, we're seeing massive um, developments in terms of how long people are living. And she's tired of that gloom and doom kind of outlook. And the demographers estimate that 2050, it'll be kind of routine that people will live to 100. Yeah, yeah. And wow. you think, oh, wow, that's, you know, that seems not that long from now. Well, you think about the last 100 years and the average life expectancy has gone up 30 years. Okay. It's arguably one of the greatest achievements in human history that, you know, some people are feeling a little anxious about, then probably they should be feeling excited. But they've, they've uh, this, this PhD is launching an initiative called the New Map of Life. And her goal is to write a fresh narrative about longevity and the steps we'll need to take individually and as a society to enhance the quality of our longer lives. After all, if we're looking at an average of 30 years more life than our ancestors have, we want to, they want to be filled with health, happiness, upbeat attitude like that, like that 95-year-old Rose Cooper. So it is important to look at this because this is going to be a, a drastic change in the way we look at aging. So there's another um, lady, uh, doc, uh, uh, Dr. Millman. She's a director of human longevity in the studies for aging research at Albert Einstein College of Medicine. And really, Aging is really the accumulation of dysfunction over time where the body cells naturally go through. And at some point you go through this crossover portion where the, you know, the manifestation of all this ends up leading to lots of age related diseases, um, cardiovascular, cognitive, and even frail, um, fertility or frail. Um, so at the end of the day, she wanted to look at all these superagers and She's studying 750 of these. Now, they're just, just accumulating these super agers. They want them to get together, share their stories, live together in a community. It's going to be interesting. That will be part two of this story down the road. But basically, the, one of the biggest myths about aging is people are destined to become unhappy as they age. They call it the misery myth. And we often see hear the old term, grumpy old man, you know, that type of thing. And... It doesn't have to be that way. Um, when people, when she's actually teaching their young students, a lot of people say, oh, you, you know, these are the best years of your life. And she says, they're wrong. A piece of evidence shows that mental health issues are worse for the younger. And in fact, once you are over the age of 50, they found that negative emotions are reported less frequently and less intensely as age increase. So there's a strong tend that people actually get happier as they age, um, not, not the other way around. So positive attitude is extremely important, um, but it comes through, how do you do this? How do you get to these ages? 
and they've gone through a ton of research. And yes, it does take a little work on your part. Um, you don't have to live to 100 if you don't want to. <laughs> but number one <laughs> is move your body regularly. You know, this is everybody knows that they should exercise. And it's a key to physical, mental health. Incorporating some kind of movement in your days will have a major influence on your um, on bone and joint, cardiovascular, brain function, and much more. Being active, active is a major predictor of longevity. On the flip side, inactivity facilitates death and disability. And if you're feeling more bummed up than exuberant these days, start adding some weightlifting to your routine because strength training significantly reduces the symptoms of depression, according to research. So, and also if you've already got a, an exercise program, kick it up a notch because you get more brain boosting benefits by being more strenuous. So if you're just kind of saying, oh, I do the mall walk or I walk around the block and you're not even, you know, breaking a sweat. Well, you need to move it up a notch or two. So number one, by far, is is uh, exercise. Number this two, could be this could be th this could be dangerous at the mall if all those seniors start picking <laughs> it up. And the next thing you know, they're jogging instead of walking. Do we wear helmets for this? Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be races. We're going to see races, okay? And uh, a race down to the food court. Go. <laughs> so, uh, number two is diet. Again, diet and exercise. How boring is that? But again, they've looked upon this, and the Mediterranean diet seems to be the best for as you go uh, as you age. And most calories should come from plant-based foods, oil, nuts, avocados, rather than red meats. Up for fish. You know the kind of the common sense things we've heard. Get a health team. Number three is get a health team care in place. Well, you need to have people you trust. And so you have the right doctors and you, and having access to those is one thing, but also following through on what they're recommending is the other. It turns out that only 25% of people after, your, after a cardiovascular incident are actually doing the recommendation. One quarter hmm. for, so they don't have it happen again. So, um, yes, it's, just fall become, back into old habits. That's basically it, right? Like that's, uh, exactly. If, you, if, if you're doing it already and then something happens, it just doesn't scare you enough that you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. And so you say, hey, I feel pretty good now and I'll just fall back. And what led you into probably the problem you had in the first place, you, there's a good chance you might do it again. We find this yeah. often with diabetes. People will follow the medicine and, and, you know, take sugars out of their diet and exercise because they had a scare, but it easily falls back into the old, um, and, you know, you know, I can take a pill, but unfortunately, um, you know, you know, sitting is the new smoking, as they would say, and, and sitting down too much will actually uh, decrease your life and also leads to depression. So number four is deepen your relationships and form, and form new ones. The key here is just don't hang around with other old people. Okay, go go hang out with multi-generationals, hang out with your kids' friends, hang out with your grandkids' friends, enjoy and, and find new relationships. And that will also help stave off uh, mental health issues. And we've seen this recently in the COVID era where unfortunately the elder yeah. were, were stuck in places or homes. They weren't, it was almost like a jail for them. And you mm -hmm. saw a lot of mm -hmm. um, diseases built on stress and even death because of it. Um, Number five, keep sex in your life. Maybe out of no. all these, this will be this will be the one everybody will remember. <laughs> it helps improve. What kind your of a show is this anyway? 
helps to improve your sleep, mood, and self-esteem. So there you go, folks. And and something to do after the mall walk and food court visit. <laughs> uh, number six, and uh, and this is a shout out to. Wait a sec! Did we spend enough time talking about number five or seven or whatever the heck it was? That seemed to go oh, by pretty quick. Uh, I could certainly go into this a little bit more. Anybody more interested? I'll send the whole article to you. <laughs> shouldn't shouldn't this segment be at least like fifteen minutes long? <laughs> kind of funny enough. Uh, the shortest one I'll get to is the one on on financial security in this article. But I'll don't worry. I'll belabor that one a bit more. Um, number six, and this is a shout out to Ron Foxtroff, an avid listener, rethink retirement and ditch the old concept of working 40, 50 hours a week until you're 65 and then retire in the golf course or tennis courts. Okay. If you were to just work less, um, have careers that allow you to taper and still even in your 80s working, say, 10 hours a week adds a lot more um, longevity to your life. And it's actually interesting. If you knew you're going to live to 100, how are you going to live? Be creative. Do you want to go gung ho to your 65, knowing you're only good to live 10 years, and therefore I got it. I'm quitting at, at 65. Or if you knew you're going to live to 100, says ah, oh, you know what? I got a lot of things. I got a. There's inflation. There's longevity risk. There's ups and downs of the market. There's a lot of things that you know. What? What if I just work part time and I can enjoy life and work and it and work. It's not necessarily a four-letter word. It's it's really another social area. It's it's a it's a great way to add value, and people get a lot of enjoyment out of their jobs, or self-employment, whatever the case is. So rethink your retirement based on the fact you're going to live to 100. Number seven, consider financial security. Okay, so this is something we've been talking about obviously for a long time, and longevity risk has been a key. And now we're seeing it. You know, the fact that there's articles on how to live to 100 means, yes, this is an issue. And it's a great, call it a great problem, but it's a great opportunity. Um, how much money do you have or don't? And as you get older, um, this potential can lead to happy making freedom or misery inducing stress. Well, you can tell which one has money and which one doesn't. <laughs> okay. Misery inducing stress is mean you didn't have enough money. And by the way, your longevity is based on this. So if you are financially independent and feel comfortable and you have a very well laid out plan that incorporates tax planning, inflation, all the keys of a great financial plan, not just simply do I have my money allocated the right way, you will live longer. We are saving lives, Jay. <laughs> every day, every day, every day. <laughs> um, or at least making them live it longer. It's financial CPR right here on the radio. <laughs> it is. You know, this means, you know, the, the number one thing you can do is save and then save some more. Okay. Because saving is kind of like healthy eating or exercise. You can't start too soon. And when in doubt, do more of it. And those aren't my words. This is, this is the good doctor looking at longevity. So number eight is really start these eight things now. And, and healthy change is the same thing as retirement. The sooner you begin, the more benefits you reap as you get older. Simply pick one or two that feel easy and start with that, and then work your way into all of these. So if you can, if you can do all of these, all seven of these items, fantastic. There's a far, the odds are in your favor. You're gonna be better off. So we're looking at today as an example. And why do you need a financial planner? You know, 
is your financial plan incorporating inflation? Well, when you look at cooking oil up 41% in the last year, sugar's up 29%, apples are up 22%, chicken's up 21% the last year. Uh, coffee's up 20%. Well, you can switch to tea. tea. Ah, maybe not. It's also up 20%. That's in the last year. That's inflation of things that you're buying every day. And so I know we've talked about our our LPPs or our financial, our version of a financial plan, they incorporate inflation. We can put in the numbers and will you put in a stress test of inflation? These aren't simply a projection tool. Okay, you're okay. Look at it and it's a nice straight line and they use a no two or 3% inflation. We add more inflation to it to stress test it. You know, also you look at what if, what if interest rates were to go up? Well, they already have. And let's say your mortgage went up uh, from say 2% to five and a half percent. Well, if you have a half million dollar mortgage, you are now paying about a thousand dollars more per month. Um, your your line of credits, you know, if you owe a hundred grand, you used to be paying $225 a month. Now you're paying $516 a month. That's a $291 per month increase. Gasoline is up 18% over the last year. And and really interesting, home ownership costs. And you, this chart went way back to 1988. It's a um, index. In 1988, it hit 57, this index. And 2000, the index was 36, which was the low. And really, it hovered around 40, this index. It's 40 being kind of the normal. Eight, 1988 was very high at 57. Right now, this index, the home ownership cost index is at 60. Okay? Wow. It's the highest point in about 40 years of owning a house. So... When I say, yes, you need a financial planner, consider financial security. These are the things that we, we put into a financial plan. And, and yes, you may have to make some adjustments, but things you don't want to do is steal Peter to pay Paul. Because if you're going to live to 100, you don't want to be cashing your RSPs out to pay your bills. You may have to make other adjustments. Uh, TFSAs may be an option. But sometimes, I know Jay and I went to a, a session. It was about using um, a homeowner online of credit to help pay some of the bills while the market was down. And then when the market popped back up, you paid off the line of credit. It's it, Money is so emotional. And at the same time, longevity is, is one of the biggest threats to financial security, that and inflation. So when you have a, a proper financial plan, you're looking at all those. So really, we are capable of being healthier, more mentally agile, and able to do much more than old people of the past. We just need to follow these seven things and talk to your financial planner and make sure that your financial portion of this is looked after. So are there a t-shirt with like, is there a t-shirt with a big S on it to say super senior or any of that? So we can identify <laughs> these people that are 95 plus and totally healthy. They are probably speed walking past you, Scott. You'll That's recognize right. them. There you go. They're passing yeah. me on the ski hill. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have been planning, or we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, last break, we're talking about uh, living uh, to 100 and loving it. We're going to cut that in half with Jay and the magic of age 50. Uh, you got it. You got so that's it. so young. That's so does young it, now. Does this say something about the demographics of this show right here? <laughs> we're, we're appeasing to all masses. Thank that's goodness, all we're doing. Thank goodness Mitch isn't here today. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I turned 50 this year. Uh, and like many uh, Canadians that turned 50, they, they can't believe they turned 50. They're kind of in denial that it's finally here you turn 50 and uh you start thinking about retirement but you also think geez half my life is gone you know don just talking about the super seniors that live to 100 so i guess i'm halfway there uh at 50 so congratulations to you jay congratulations (laughs) (laughs) so you know half my life behind me um half in front of me so people start thinking about retirement like i said and what kind of lifestyle that's going to be and what you're going to look like uh throughout those retirement years and if you if again, if you don't plan for it, you're you're in big trouble. So we, I look at it. There's there's basically two outcomes in in retirement. You've got you've got one that that the money outlives you, and that means you know you've got enough money, you plan properly, and and you don't run out of money. And this allows you to live a quality of life with dignity and independence. And then there's the other option, right, where you outlive your money and you have no independence. Um, there's no legacy, and 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 you've planned properly, but something's happened, whether uh, you didn't account for inflation, didn't count for market corrections, didn't account, account for longevity, all of those things come into play. And, and if you haven't done all those things and put that stress test in place, then you're bound to have that second outcome of outliving your money. So you don't, you definitely don't want that. So at 50, what do you, what do you start to think about? What, what comes through your mind and what should you be thinking about if it isn't in your mind? So your needs and wants. So what are your needs? What do you need money for? And what do you want money for? Um, a lot of people during this time um, thought about, okay, you know what? I need that new car. And now they're working from home. So do I really need that that expensive car? Or do I need a new car? Will that car last me a little bit longer? So that's a need versus a want. So what's important to you? That's, that's really important to really define it and narrow it down. Um, getting your wills and power of attorney, get it done. During the pandemic, so many people got their wills and power of attorney addressed just because of uh, what what those thoughts that went through people's heads um, during the pandemic. It's a concern. Just do it. Just get it done. Um, I know we've looked at a bunch of different lawyers in town here that anywhere from a thousand to two thousand dollars, depending on uh, depending on a lawyer or depending on how sophisticated your will is. But generally, that's about the price to get a will and power of attorney done. Um, create a cash flow or, or a budget. And I don't mean create something that, you know, you're going to start tightening the purse strings. I want, I want to know where not necessarily cut back, but establish a baseline. What do you honestly need? Think about it and say, okay, this is honestly what we spend on a monthly basis. This is how much we spend at Tim Hortons. This is how much we spend at restaurants. Honestly, what do you need to live off of and be, and be genuine with yourself and and your family? Uh, the next thing, health awareness, get a physical it's free. Right, you can go to your doctor and get a free. Don was talking about it in the last segment. Take care of your health. Um, you can go to your doctor and get almost every screening that you possibly want, and it's free. It takes some time. 
Um, they have these executive medicals out there that you can pay for and, 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 and get everything done in one place. But your doctor will get that all done for you. If you have concerns, ask your doctor um, and get, get those screenings done. It's free. Uh, that's the beauty of our, our health care in the city. Uh, get your CPP data. So I talked about it in shows years ago or, or maybe months ago. Find out what you can expect. I know my 1997 still lost. I, I, CPP from 1997, they don't have any record of it for some reason. They still haven't fixed it. It's been, I think it was been eight months since I inquired about that. So get your data on your CPP, make sure it's correct. Um, and that'll give you a good indication of where you are. Um, that's a that's again a baseline of how much you're going to be getting from the government, and then you layer it on top with a financial plan on where you're going to get the other money from. Uh, pick a re realistic retirement. So if if you're 50 years old and you haven't started saving for retirement, it's not too late. It's, it's a shame that you waited this long, but it's not too late. Get serious and, and think about it. Just say if I'm 50. 50 now and I'm going to retire at 55 and you haven't started saving. That's really a serious conversation. Be serious. Maybe 65 isn't that re that realistic. Maybe 70 is your new retirement age. So you really want to focus in and say, okay, what's important and what's, what's realistic? Um, setting unrealistic goals, setting inflation, like Don said, setting it at 2% maybe is unrealistic. Setting your rates of return at 12% unrealistic. Having your, your life expectancy to 70 when you're 65, maybe not realistic. So you really got to set a, a real plan and then draft a game plan uh, with a certified financial planner. And like we've said a number of times on this show, retirement can be joyful, um, but it can also be a, a painful existence. If you, if you run out of money, it's, it's no, no fun. Um, most people that are in their retirement don't think of it like that, but it's, it's not fun if you run out of money. And we've seen it with lots of our clients, especially during this time, people reflect and say, well, you know, what are my needs and wants? What should I be spending money on? But if they start spending, Spending money uh, haphazardly during this during their retirement or not or not methodically, um, running out of money is a, is an eventual cause. Um, so you know, at fifty, it's magical because you're making more money than ever. Um, hopefully, saving more money than ever. You have more time to yourself. Hopefully, your kids are, are grown up or or maybe not, but if they've grown up, you've got more time to yourself to to take care of yourself, your body, and and your health. Um, you're more in control of your choices. So you're more mature. You can make choices about your retirement, make choices about what you spend your money on. You don't have to follow the Joneses anymore, right? You're 50 years old. You're your own person and just do what you want to do. Um, bottom line, also remember that um, you're only five years away from senior discounts like Don was mentioning. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 50 is wow. pretty good. 50 is pretty good. Yeah. Anyways. Don, Don's got a place for you to put that 5% you save on your discount, uh, every year. Absolutely. Go. Very good. Very good. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. We're back for our final segment coming up moments from now. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. Call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, tax loss harvesting. I love that. You got the fall theme working here. You're harvesting the finances. 
harvesting this is the harvesting time yeah as you're picking apples or raking leaves or getting those going to those fall fairs think about your tax loss harvesting and you know what this is the year unfortunately that you can do this because last year and the year before the markets were pretty darn good in fact you look at those pandemic stocks they were through the roof last year and a lot of people sold them or even if you held it in a mutual fund of some sort the fund managers sold them and you end up with this big capital gain dividend and you didn't even do anything, but they sold the stocks on your behalf. And then they sent you, sent you back this, this gain that showed up on a T-slip and you had to pay tax on it. So this year is not the case. You're seeing uh, almost from the gunshot on January 1st, like the starting point, the market's been down, both the bond and the stock market. And if you look at your portfolio, is there opportunities right now to possibly sell them because they might be in a lost position and use that against your tax return. So when if you sell, sell a stock or a fund and create a loss, you can use that capital loss against any capital gains during this year, which you may not have any. But the good news is you can go back up to three years prior and grab some of those taxes you paid on capital gains last year or the year before the year before that. So it is a bit of an opportunity. Great time to see your financial planner about this. So there's a couple of tricks though. So let's say you have a, an ABC stock and you, you really like the stock. You think it's going to go back up, but it's down a fair bit right now. Or you have a fund and say the U.S. growth market has done, is down say 30%. The NASDAQ's done about 30%. Um, it's easy to say why when you think, see things such as Tesla down from a trillion down to like, it was worth over a trillion, it's like 600 million now. Um, you see, you know, Peloton down 85%. You see Shopify down, you know, 70%. All these are, are the pandemic stocks that we were, you know, everyone was loving at the time. And all of a sudden they also became experts and say, I'll just buy this stock. It's so, so easy. Well, now some of those are way underwater and you can sell those and create that loss, but you can't buy the stock back for 30 days. Otherwise, it doesn't exist as far as a tax loss. So if you sold it now, you cannot buy the exact same stock or fund back in in 30 days. So going forward, now this is interesting. Some people say, well, no problem. I'll just sell the stock and I'll just buy that same kind of stock inside my RSP or my tax-free savings account. And that'll trick the government. Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay, the government's onto this. Well, if that doesn't trick them, maybe I'll, you know what? My wife or husband has an account. I'll buy the same stock in their account. No, they look at that too. So you cannot get around this 30 days. They are they have all eyes on all the tricks that people have tried in the past so that you do not create this loss and not be able to uh, and, and try to deduct it. So what you need to do is sell it, but you can buy a similar stock or fund. So if you say had a, call it a Royal Bank, um, a, a Royal Bank, U.S. growth fund, and I'm going to buy the IG growth fund instead, U.S. growth fund, same type of management, but different company, or Fidelity, and you bought you know, IG instead, or, or you bought McKinsey Group instead. It could be the same type of fund, and you're moving it sideways, really, at the end of the day, because most of the funds are going to behave similar, or you buy the index. So you can buy a U.S. growth index, sell a sell a uh, a high flying stocks such as Amazon and buy another one that's similar, possibly Shopify, whatever the case may be, that will behave similar. So 
and then after 30 days, you can sell that and buy the original back again. So that's the way you can do it without putting yourself at risk that you're out of that type of stock. Now, you can't, this all has to be done before December 28th because it does take time to make this happen. Now, it's, it's tricky though. Let's say if you transfer a stock to an RSP, that doesn't trigger a loss, by the way. You actually have to sell it and keep it in its form. So it's, it's actually a little unfair. So if you had a you know, $50,000 stock and it went down in value from 100,000 down to 50,000, you move it to the RSP, you do not get that capital loss by moving it into an RSP. Why is this not fair? Well, let's say it was the other way around. You bought a stock for 50,000, moved, it went up to 100,000 and you moved it to an RSP. They would definitely look at the gain and tax that. So the government will take the gain if it goes up, but they don't accept the loss by transferring it to an RSP or even a TFSA. So again, these are the, some of the year-end tax planning tips that you should be looking at right now. Also, along with trying to maximize um, your tax brackets at this point and using old age security, um, are you gonna be um, in a clawback situation? Taking a look at the RSPs, is there options to be able to pull money out of the RSPs and get, you, get money out at 20%? Because there's a lot of opportunities those are, those are certainly the appointments we're having right now, um, Jay and, and the whole Fox team, um, is, is trying to do, is there, tax, is there tax loss selling opportunities? Is there RSP tax planning opportunities? Tax bracket management in general. But again, that's why, you know, that's why we are here right near the end of the year. And here's where all the opportunities for tax planning exist. You can't do this in January, folks. So you got to get it done right now. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find out more at donfox.net. You can place a call to IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Thank you, gentlemen. Another great show. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.